their taunts often get it right. Taunts like, yeah, sure, you saw the light. Certainly it's true. Matthew 4, verse 16. The people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. These Christians are so uneducated and easily led. Certainly that's true. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 26 and 27. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Matthew 18, verse 3, And he said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted, and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. These Bible thumpers worship their Bibles. Certainly that's true. Revelation 19:13, And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. John 1, verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. To these nincompoops, the Bible in their Jesus is the answer to everything. And certainly that's true. Second Timothy three sixteen and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Dear visitor, have you yet to be born again, as Jesus declares in John 3, 3? Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Today is your opportunity to participate in the greatest miracle man can know. If you follow me in a simple prompt, you can kiss the world's foolish vanities goodbye <laughs> forever. Today, all your sin and shame will be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood. Today, all of Satan's bondages will be broken. The bigger, the better. Today, you will be born a literal second time. This time of the Spirit of God. This time as a child of God. Today, you will see the light. And your Bible and your Jesus will be the answer to absolutely everything. Here comes a simple prompt I promise. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. God said, Colossians two sixteen and 17, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. God said, Psalms 19, verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Man said, to these nincompoops, the Bible and their Jesus is the answer to everything. Ha! You want the answer to everything? Just ask your phone. Now the record. 
Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 1163, that will once again contend for the supernatural inerrancy of God's majority text, Holy Bible. All of these faith-building features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and as ammunition in the battle for the souls of the lost. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for visiting. May God's face shine upon you with light and truth. The original soul-winning God Said, Man Said proof series was produced in like fashion to the undeniable proof series you are visiting today. Nearly all of the proofs in these features have been published on this site before. This series draws them all together in an abbreviated form. Science seeks the singularity, the beginning and foundation of all things, and of course, the redeemed have fully found it. I really should say him. The redeemed have fully found him. Colossians 1, 16, verse 9, 16 through 19, excuse me. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, for it pleased the Father, that in him should all fullness dwell. I mentioned earlier that nearly all of the proofs in the Undeniable Proof series have been published on God Said, Man Said before, but the first in today's grouping is redundant even to this series. The cross of Christ is the focus of this feature, and it will become increasingly obvious that all of life literally, I say literally, hangs upon it, for it pleases the Father that in Jesus Christ should all fullness dwell, Colossians 1.19. The foreknowledge of God, the God who knows the end from the beginning, is undeniable proof that God is. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things are, that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. God's foreknowledge is demonstrated so marvelously in the cross of His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Undeniable proof, number 376. If God knows the end from the beginning, and He does, then we should find this emblem of the cross everywhere, and we do. The following excerpts are from the God Said, Man Said feature, The Cross and Laminate. Jesus Christ is the center of our molecular structure. No discovery, scientific or otherwise, will ever controvert this truth. God is such a marvelous master of detail. His forethought and handiwork is glorious to behold. Keep in mind as we continue that God created all things by Christ Jesus and that he knows the end from the beginning. His foreknowledge is all-encompassing. Also keep Revelation 13, 8 in mind as you visit this series. It speaks of the son of perdition and Christ. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation 
of the world. A brother in the Lord forwarded an email to God said man said concerning a sermon by Louis Giglio which addressed laminin, a protein central to life, and its association with Jesus Christ. Surely the master of detail shows his hand. Concerning laminin, Wikipedia reports the following. Laminins are major proteins in the basal lamina, one of the layers of the basement membrane, a protein network for a foundation for most cells and organs. The laminins are an important and biologically active part of the basal lamina, influencing cell differentiation, migration, adhesion, as well as phenotype and survival. Laminins are trimeric proteins. The trimeric proteins intersect to form a cross-like structure that can bind to other cell membrane and extracellular matrix molecules. The three shorter arms are particularly good at binding to other laminin molecules, which allows them to form sheets. The long arm is capable of binding to cells, which helps anchor organized uh, tissue cells to the membrane. The laminins are a family of glycoproteins that are an integral part of the structural scaffolding in almost every tissue of an organism. They are secreted and incorporated into cell-associated extracellular matrices. Laminin is vital for the maintenance and survival of tissues, end of quote. To recap, laminin influences cell differentiation, influences cell migration, influences phenotype and survival, is the scaffolding in almost every tissue of an organism, and laminin is that which holds life together. The following is a picture of laminin. Do you think it coincidental that laminin is shaped just like the cross of Jesus? Again, Colossians 1, verse, uh, verse 17, And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Noah Webster defines consist to stand together, to be in a fixed or permanent state as a body composed of parts in union or connection, hence to be supported, and maintain, end of quotes, everything. All things revolve around Jesus Christ, and certainly biologically, because this pleases the Father. Everything hangs upon the cross, really, end of quotes. Undeniable proof number 377. Some things often seem unrelated to Christ, but when one looks a little closer, Jesus Christ, God's singularity, will appear. One gesture means the same thing in every language. Hands raised above one's head with palms facing outward is the universal sign of unconditional surrender. As you should expect, this revolves around Jesus Christ, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Just hours before his crucifixion, Jesus prays in the garden three times, asking the Father for a reprieve from the terrible suffering that lay before him. In each request, Jesus unconditionally surrendered his will to God. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, then 42, and then 44. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it be possible... Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if this cup may not pass from me, except I drink it, 
thy will be done. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. When he was nailed to the cross, it was unconditional surrender, hands lifted high and palms facing outward. In Psalms 141, the lifting up of the hands is equated to the evening sacrifice. Psalms 141, verse 2, Let my prayer be set before thee as incense, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. This is not mere happenstance. The sacrifice, of course, is the, in the, is the Old Testament shadow of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. How about this amazing verse, Luke nine twenty three? And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. A person who is born again is a walking, living sacrifice who takes up his or her cross daily, following the King of glory with hands lifted high and palms facing outward in unconditional surrender. The sign of the cross is hands lifted high and palms facing outward. This is the sign of surrender in every single language. End of quote. Undeniable proof number 378. The Old Testament is a shadow bringing us unto the fulfillment of all things, Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son. Colossians two sixteen and 17. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. The blood sacrifice itself is the shadow of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on that wooden cross on Calvary's hill. The children of Israel stood in the shadow of the cross in the Old Testament. A prime example is the Jewish Passover, an event central to who they are. An excellent example of the marvelous principle of the Old Testament shadow bringing us to Christ is found in the Jewish Passover. The children of Israel were in bondage under the heavy hand of Pharaoh, a Satan shadow, and were slaves unto the Egyptian people. Moses is a Christ figure in the Old Testament, and he goes to Pharaoh to speak on behalf of God, telling Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh refuses, and a series of deadly plagues fall upon Egypt. The final plague that broke Pharaoh's stranglehold on the Jewish people was the slaying of the firstborn. Exodus eleven four through 6. And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beast. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. The Passover lamb was central to this final plague upon Egypt. Regarding the blood of the lamb, Exodus twelve twenty-one through 23 reads, Then Moses called for all of the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop 
and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin, and none of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. Watch the shadow now as it meets the marvelous fulfillment in Christ. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. John the Baptist says of Christ in John 1 verse 29, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ is crucified on the Jewish Passover. And 1 Corinthians 5, 7 reads, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. When the destroyer sees the blood applied to a house, he must pass over that home. Exodus twelve twenty three. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lentil and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. When Satan sees the blood of Christ applied to the doorpost and lintel of the believer's heart, he must pass over, thus the name Passover. God commands the faithful to observe the Passover forever, which we do in the observance of the Lord's Supper. Jesus Christ was crucified on the Passover. The entire Old Testament revolves around Jesus Christ because it pleases the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Jesus Christ is the singularity, the allness. Now watch the Passover and the shadow of the cross of Christ, a cross upon which he hung and died on the Passover. Follow the dotted line. You can see it. There's the cross. Undeniable proof number 379. The day approaches when Christ our Lord will enter Jerusalem by way of the famed eastern gate. All of creation focuses on the east because the sun, the life force of all physical things, was so created by God to rise every day in the east. A few verses from Ezekiel will drive home the importance of the east. Ezekiel 43, verse 2. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east, and his voice was like a noise of many waters, and the earth shined with his glory. Ezekiel 41, uh, 44, excuse me, 1 through 3. Then he brought me back the way of the gate of the outward sanctuary, which looketh toward the east, and it was shut. Then saith the Lord unto me, This gate shall be shut, and it shall not be opened, and no man shall enter in by it, because the Lord, the God of Israel, hath entered in by it, therefore it shall be shut. It is for the prince, the prince. He shall sit in it to eat a bread before the Lord. He shall enter by the way of the porch of that gate, and shall go out by the way of the same. The Jewish tabernacle was a place for God to dwell in the nation of Israel. It was the heart of Israel, and all revolved around it. This was the place of reconciliation unto God. This was the place of the blood sacrifice for the atonement for sin. This was the house of the laws and ordinances of life. Dr. Chuck Missler addresses Israel in the Old Testament shadow of the cross in his book, Cosmic Codes, Hidden Message from the Edge of Eternity. 
Excerpts follow. In Numbers chapter 1 and 2, we encounter the census of the people and the detailed instructions for their encampment. Why? What hidden insights lies behind them? Of course, there are many valid historical reasons for the inclusion of these details in the Torah, the five books of Moses, but our premise is that there isn't any detail included that isn't there by deliberate design. If we examine these details more closely, some remarkable insights emerge. When Moses received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, he also received detailed specifications and instructions for the building of a portable sanctuary, the tabernacle, or tent of meeting. The purpose of this unusual facility was to provide a place for God to dwell among his people. The tabernacle was always set up at the center of the camp of Israel facing eastward. The tribe of Levi, Levi excuse me, was assigned to care for it and camped about it. Moses, Aaron, and the priest camped on the east side next to the entrance. The three families of the tribe of Levi, Merari, Kohath, and Gershon camped on the north, south, and west side, respectively. The remaining 12 tribes were grouped into four camps around the Levites. The 12 remaining tribes, excluding the Levites, were grouped into four camps. Each of these groups of three tribes each were to rally around the tribal standard of the lead tribe. Judah's tribal standard was, of course, the lion. Reuben's ensign was a man. Ephraim's the ox. Dan's ultimately the eagle. It is interesting to note that these four primary tribal standards, the lion, the man, the ox, and the eagle, are the same as the four faces of the strange living creatures that always appear surrounding the throne of God. It would seem that the camp of Israel, with the tabernacle in the middle, would appear to be a model of the throne of God. His presence in the center, represented by the tabernacle, encircled by the four faces, this also surrounded by his people. But there's even more. Why the specific numbers? The numbering of the tribes is detailed in, in Numbers chapter 1. The actual population represented is obviously somewhat larger than these enumerations since only men over 20 able to go to war were counted. Most analysis assumed that women, children, and the elderly would multiply the count factor by three or whatever. The total camp would thus appear to approximate two million. While the numbers of each tribe may not seem very revealing, the totals for each of the four camps will prove to be. The tribes of Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun, collectively called the Camp of Judah, had to encamp east of the Levites. This possesses a technical problem. Notice that if the breadth of their camp was larger than that of the Levites, the excess would be southeast or northeast, not east. Therefore, if they were to comply strictly to their instructions, their camp could only be as wide as that of the Levites, and they then would have to extend eastward to obtain whatever space they required. The camps of Reuben, Ephraim, and Dan had the same constraint on the south, west, and north, respectively. The length of each leg would thus be proportional to the total population in each camp. If we assemble what we can infer from the Torah account, we can imagine what the camp of Israel looked like from above. The tabernacle and the Levites in the center, surrounded by the four faces of the tribal standards, and each of the four camps of Judah, Ephraim, Reuben, and Dan stretching out in the four cardinal directions. 
we can also tally the size of each tribe to total the relative strength of each camp as they stretched out in each of the four directions. See the plan view on a relative scale which follows. It would appear that when the Israelites encamped, they formed a giant cross. This is a macro code indeed, and this is from the Torah, not the New Testament. Again, the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed, and the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. End of quote. When the God of Israel approaches Israel from the east, his aerial view is the cross of Calvary. Coincidence? Certainly not. The shadow of the cross of reconciliation in the Old Testament camp of Israel is the cross of Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.19, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. The foreknowledge of God is proof indeed. Surely God knows the end from the beginning, and it is so beautifully displayed in the cross of the King of Glory. Undeniable Proof, 380. It is just bizarre that anyone would not choose Christ. The evidence that shouts Jesus is revealed in the results from the camp of faith versus the camp of unbelief. Consider what born-again have. Peace of mind in the midst of uncertainty. Hope when all hope is gone. Light in the darkest places. Love rather than hatred. A purpose that is gloriously eternal. The power of implicit pattern learning. The ability to live 11% longer and a quality life. The following sentences are from the God Said, Man Said feature. Scientists shocked to find God in implicit pattern learning. How would you like to become a genius? How would you like to become a genius even though you have average or even below average IQ? Your little baby faith can absolutely take you there. Psalms 111 verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God brings us into compliance with his word. And when we participate in the beautiful book, we participate in the supernatural inerrant truth. When God's owner's manual is the authority of my life, all of my decisions will demonstrate the marvelous genius of God himself. Because of God's genius, I will make the best choices and friends, make the best decisions regarding my career, make the best choice in a spouse, or in some cases, choose not to have a spouse, make the best choices in child-rearing, make the best choices in finance, make the best choices in entertainment, make the best choices in health, make the best choices in what and how I think. Your life's decisions will demonstrate your genius because you will have harnessed the genius of God regardless of your intelligence quotient. Psalm 19:7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. End of quotes. The proof is in the fruit. God's word is true and righteous altogether. A place to build a life that will last forever. Line up with the book. There is no other way. God said, Colossians 1, verse 19, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. 
God said Colossians 2, 16 and 17, Let no man therefore judge you in meat, or in drink, or in respect of an holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. God said Psalm 19, verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Man said, to these nincompoops, the Bible and their Jesus is the answer to everything. <laughs> you want the answer to everything? Just ask your phone. Now you have the record.